0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Now let's get into the scriptures. Genesis uh, chapter eleven is where we're going tonight, and we are we are we've been covering um, the big theological themes um, of our belief system of what the scriptures have to say. And um, we've we've been talking about these universal curses. The first universal curse that we talked about was that curse of sin and death, which came came through Adam, Adam's sin. And the scripture says that by him, his one act of disobedience, death came to all of us. But one act of obedience by the last Adam, Jesus Christ, has brought us all freedom, has brought us all righteousness. So there was this universal curse of sin and death, but it was reversed, hallelujah, through redemption, and that is through salvation by faith in Jesus. And then the second one we looked at is we went over to Genesis chapter 6 and to the flood of Noah, where God looked down upon Noah with grace. It said the whole world was in turmoil, everybody's hearts were... The thoughts of their hearts were continually on evil, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah and his wife and three sons and their wives were on the ark and the only ones that were saved, plus the animals that God (laughs) instructed to be on there. And all the rest of mankind and and beasts uh, perished in the flood, all-encompassing world, cataclysmic world flood. And that we saw was reversed in the waters of baptism. Those that went under water in judgment were perished, but when we go water in baptism, we come out of that water leaving the old nature behind. It's judged, it's past, it's done, and we rise in newness of life it's where we're identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and especially his resurrection. Glory to God. So it was reversed in the waters of baptism. And now tonight we're going to the curse of, the universal curse of divided language. In Genesis um, chapter uh, 9, after Noah had come off the ark, just so I can give you a little bit of chapters in between, Genesis chapter 9, God institutes actually the death penalty after Noah had come off the ark. And he said, surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast. I will require it from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother. I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. But then also later on in that chapter, God makes covenant with Noah. Verse 11 says, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall I all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Thank the Lord. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That's our generation too. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall bear be uh, for the Sign of the covenant between me and the earth It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh And we get over to genesis chapter 10 and then it gives us the genealogy of noah You can read that on your own time. We're not going to do that tonight Then we come over to genesis chapter 11. All right after a while, you get kind of tired of saying begat, 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 begat. So you just take that upon yourself to do that. All right. Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Genesis chapter 11, and verse 1. When Noah passed away at the age, the ripe old age of 950 years old. So 350 years after the flood, he still had a life. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Verse 3, Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Where's God in any of this calculating Let us make for ourselves, ourselves. Let us do this for us. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Now that statement right there, their whole purpose in doing this was in total defiance to what God wanted to do in the earth. Because God told Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And they said, lest we do what God tells us to do. That's basically what they're saying. We're going to build ourselves a city. We're all going to stay right here. All right? That was the evil behind Babel. It wasn't that they were trying to build a tower so tall to reach into heaven. When I I was a kid, that's what I learned, that the tower and God would not let them build a tower to heaven. (laughs) That really wasn't the problem, all right? It was the whole purpose behind it, that they were in defiance to God's plan for man and the earth. And then uh, let's go to verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed the people are one and they all have one language. I want you to mark that because we'll come back to that. They are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. So the Lord's going to make sure His plan gets done. All right. Therefore its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The universal curse of divided languages has begun here but God would redeem that curse. God would later reverse that curse because God makes all things new and he writes all wrongs. And we can see a glimpse of what has been really in the heart of God for so, so long before Christ ever even came. Before we experienced our new covenant reality and all the good things that have come into our lives. We can see hints of it throughout the Old Testament because there throughout the Old Testament, as we've talked about, we see Christ in types and shadows and symbols. And one one easy way to say it is that the Old Testament is Christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. He's just behind the veil there in the Old Testament, but he's there. And, And in Numbers chapter 11, I want us to turn over there for just a moment. Numbers chapter 11. God, Moses actually is fed up with his his watching over all the children of Israel. (laughs) And he says to the Lord, if this is how you're going to deal with me, kill me here and now. I think every pastor has probably prayed that prayer at one time in their life. If this is how it's going to be. Because, you know, coming into the ministry, I just thought, you know, this is Disney World. This is, this is all fun and games. It's just nothing but good. Hanging around Christians all day long. How bad could it be? It's messy. It ain't Disney World. Six Flags. Yeah, it might be Six Flags. <laughs> Where your favorite ride is always broken. <laughs> no I, I really uh, I, had, I had a big reality check coming into the ministry but I will say that being in the ministry is the most rewarding and most frustrating thing I've ever done in my life the good far outweighs the bad thank the Lord but I, I've, I realized something that, that you have to really be called to this this isn't something you just go hey I think I'm going to be in the ministry today Please don't do that. It will kill you. It will. And, and you got to do what you're called to do, how God created you. You know, whatever you're called to do, do that. Yes. Right. You know, wherever that, that's God has designed you and made you for that specific purpose. Anything outside of that is going to be nothing but trouble, whether it's ministry, whether it's a, a career in, in business, whatever it might be. All right? Just do what you're called to do. So Moses, here he is, says, Lord, kill me here and now. If this is how it's going to be, I want to die now. And so the Lord is talking to him, and he says, okay, Moses, I want you to gather your 70 elders and call them to the tabernacle, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take of your spirit, the spirit that's on you, and I'm going to distribute that to these 70 elders, and they'll help you bear the load, all right? So he does, and I'm grateful for the staff I've got. They help bear the load. Look at verse 27. And a young man ran and told Moses... Oh, before that, brrr, stop. When, when God did this, the scripture says that as the Lord distributed that spirit that was on Moses to these elders, it says they started prophesying and they never did at another time in their life. It was the only time, but it was the proof that that spirit had been put on them. All right? So they started prophesying. Watch this. Verse 27. And a young man ran and told Moses, said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So this, these two characters, Eldad and Medad didn't go to the tabernacle. So it was only actually 68 people of the elders showed up and two stayed back in the camp. Now, if you read any of the history up to this point, when people disobeyed the word of God or they disobeyed the word of the the man of God, they died, right? So this young man sees disorder. No, this is not good. So he runs and tells Moses. Now look what happens. They're prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, Moses, uh, I'm sorry, so Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of the choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. So you can see Josh, he's a great assistant pastor, right? And the, the, the pastor gives the order and, and he's there to carry it out, make sure the order's done, right? So he knows that not everybody showed up like they're supposed to. And he says, Moses, these guys are prophesying the gap. You have to stop this. This is, this is out of line and they're, they're uh, challenging your authority. But look what Moses says. Verse 29, Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. What an interesting response. Oh, that all the people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. See, this was the heart of God coming out right here. And it just so happens That Eldad and Medad's names are really significant in this story. Eldad means God has loved, and Medad means love. And you know, in the presence of love, there's no judgment, there's no fear. And these guys, the Lord put his spirit on them there, and they prophesied. Showing us what God's real purpose and what real intention is concerning his spirit. He wants all of us to experience this. So when this curse came, this curse of divided languages came, and it scattered men across the earth. Well, there came a day. Now let's go over to um, uh, Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read some scriptures to you on the way there. We also see that Joel, the prophet, um, Old Testament prophet, announced in Joel chapter 2 and uh, verse 28, he said this, And I shall... And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. All right, You can hear Moses, those words again. Oh, that the Lord's people were all prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And now he's saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants, on my mid, m- m- men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Wow. So now we come over to the New Testament, and it's culminating. We're coming up to this day, all right? And, and John even said in Luke chapter 3, he said, he said uh, um, No, John didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, John answered and said to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I who's coming, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter one, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So John, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. All right. So it's building the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, Acts chapter two, let's open it up. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house, or the whole house, where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now watch this. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. All right? So the world is represented here. There are people from every nation under heaven here. That's on purpose because those divided languages divided people and divided them into nations. All right? Now every nation is represented here on this day when they hear this language. Watch in verse 6 and after this, the sound occurred. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And when they were, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Down verse 11, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So it's extraordinary that what God did, God had had confused the language of the people that had one tongue, one one language, he he confuses that language, and then in one moment, he brings all of those languages together in one language called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the language of the Spirit. And when they began to pray, these people recognized their language in all of that. And they said, how, how, how am I understanding that? Another one said, how am I understanding it? How am I understanding it? Because all of those were languages at one time that confused men, that divided men, and now it's been brought into one. For what purpose? It says that they magnified and declared the wonderful works of God. And it wasn't of their own doing. This was an utterance of the Spirit that brought this forth. And then Peter preaches the gospel to them. Because there's confusion. They're like, what's going on? Some are accusing them that they're, that they're drunk. They don't know what's happening. So Peter stands up and declares to them and even brings up what Joel the prophet had said. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. In the last days, this is that, this is that. We're here right now. This is the moment. And in verse 41 it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. This was a, a redemptive work that was orchestrated by God Almighty, what once divided men through multiple languages, God restored in this moment through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people were saved. Amazing, isn't it? He took all those languages and made them one again. Now, no wonder, no wonder the devil fights us so hard on this. He's been at work on this for a long time. Dividing people over this very thing right here. Dividing churches over this very thing right here. Brothers and sisters divided over this wonderful gift from God. Notice when I said to Mark, Genesis chapter 11, where it says, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And then look what God said. Bring that back up on the board, if you would, on the screen. Watch this, Genesis eleven six. This is what the Lord had to say, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Our one version says nothing will be impossible for them. Why? Because they have one language. See, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was supposed to do for the church that would make the church an unstoppable force, that whatever we set our minds to do whatever we set our hearts to do, because we speak the language of the Spirit, it would get done. But the enemy thought, if I can get them divided over that, then they won't be able to accomplish what they can. So we have some work to do, don't we? I have some good friends who are denominational pastors. And I just tell him, you know, we can fix all of this if you'll just speak in tongues. All this division will go away. It'll just go away. If you just speak in tongues, man. Matter of fact, I can lay hands on you right now. (laughs) We can do this right now. I'm convinced it is is the major thing that has brought division. It's the major subject of division in the church. And if we would all come together in this one language, we would see masses coming to Christ. 3,000 were saved in that moment. in a gathering of 120 people. It's extraordinary, huh? 3,000. 120 people in the church. At the end of the day, there was 3,120. So this language now, so this curse has been reversed. Think about it. The, The curse of sin and death was answered in salvation. The curse of the flood was answered in water baptism. The curse of divided languages was answered in the Holy Spirit baptism. All right? Isn't that a wonderful thing? And these are, these are the practices of our lives as Christians, right? Two things are a one-time thing. You get saved. Now, when I was a kid, I thought I had to get saved every week. <laughs> but I learned, oh, yeah, he only had to die once, so I'm saved once. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Then there was water baptism, right? That, that's a one-time thing most of the time. Some people feel like they need to do it again. Um, and I'm, that's cool. Some people get baptized early enough and feel like when they're an adult, I didn't really understand what I was doing. Can I redo it? Sure, let's redo it. I didn't baptize my wife till we'd been in the ministry. Ten years? She finally came around. She was convinced that Catholic um, baptism had her saved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was already... Anyway, you you were speaking in tongues before you got water baptized. You can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Cornelius did. She did. Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting that God, because I used to wonder, God, why do you make us, why do we have to talk in tongues? It's so weird. Anybody else feel that? You know what I'm talking about? Why? That is just, I don't want to do that. Until I understood the purpose of it, the power of it, the glory of it, the wonder of it. To this day, I don't understand what I'm saying, but I love doing it. You figure after a while, you start understanding what you were saying. You know, because I've worked around this Mexican man by the name of Mundo, Raimundo. And worked uh, leveling houses down in South Texas, and he didn't know, a, I mean, just knew a few English words, very few, and so he was always talking to me in Spanish, and I, was, I don't understand what you're saying, man, no comprendo, but I had to learn the language, and the longer I was around him, I started figuring stuff out, <laughs> and, and just, just learned a few things here and there, and, and, uh, but the, the language of the Spirit, I still not figured out one thing. It's amazing. But you know the scripture says that you can pray that you may interpret? Now that's talking about being in a church service. If somebody stands up and speaks in a tongue, not, not corporately, but one person, an individual, stands up and speaks in tongue, then there needs to be interpretation so everybody else can go amen to whatever you were saying. But someone can pray that they may interpret and they can interpret. That's, that's, that's amazing too. That's just as much a miracle. Because who gets, who gets to question that? Who gets to go, I don't think that was interpretation. I don't know. <laughs> Who gets to say that, right? Okay, I guess that's it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> There's one, there one, one, one thing I want to touch on when it comes to tongue and interpretation. Because I like tongue interpretation as long as it's done according to the Scripture. Maybe you've heard it twice in my life, done according to Scripture. And that is that the scripture says that, that when a, one speaks in a tongue, they speak to God, not to men. Right? He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. Why was the interpretation always a prophecy? That's what I used to always wonder. Okay, if it's a, it says he does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. But then the, prophet, the, the, the interpretation always sounds like, my children... If it's going to be the sound the same as a prophecy, why speak in tongues first? What's the point of that? Now, there has to be a differentiation. There has to be a reason why there's a tongue first. The interpretation, it only stands to reason. The interpretation would be to God. But I've hardly ever heard it done like that. It's always been to men. And I think we've been robbed of that beautiful gift, that beautiful moment, because somebody gets stirred up in prophecy. I'm not saying the prophecy is even wrong. I'm just saying I think it's out of line. It's too early. It's not the interpretation. They, they, they jump in there because they get excited, start prophesying. That's great. Chill, man. We need the interpretation, right? We need the interpretation at that time. You know, that happened. I don't know if you, how many of you were here that Sunday morning. It was an early service when we had a tongue. And uh, it, was a, it was a mother and, and son back here, and, and, and <laughs> oh Lord, and uh, the, the son spoke in tongues, and then the mother starts giving a prophecy. And I really, I, I thought to myself, this is the last time I want to hear this like this. I want to hear this done right. I love people that they're zealous for the things of God, but come on, we got to do this according to the Scripture. Otherwise, we're not going to get the power of it. So I was standing up here and, and the mother was prophesying and it was fine, that was good and when she stopped I said okay now can we get the interpretation to the tongue and this is what we heard I just stood there and waited stood there and waited. waited I was determined that we were going to experience it according to the scripture and then right over here a man stood up and began to offer these praises to God it sounded like the book of Psalms, it was, it was awesome I was like thank you And we have not had it since. And I wasn't trying to get people not to do it. You understand what I'm saying? I want us to have these experiences, but we must have them according to how they are purposed. According to not, well, that's the way I've always heard it. So what? doesn't make it right. I don't want to live my life based on past experiences. I believe this because that's the way we always did it. I want Bible experience. Am I talking to the right crowd tonight? We need to have it according to the Scriptures. What does the Scripture say? Huh? Let's do that because it is a powerful thing in the earth. It's a powerful force. And, and, and I think that we could experience something really marvelous in church if we would do it, do it like that. But in your own life, Paul says that, uh, uh, that when you speak in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in tongues, that you edify yourself. And the truth is it's really more of a personal a personal gratification, a personal growth, a personal help than anything else. Yes. Now, we do know that, that when, when, when people pray corporately in tongues, that's also, that, you know, the only demonstration we actually have from scriptures when it comes to tongues is corporate. We have teaching on individual, but we don't have demonstration. We only have demonstration of a group of people speaking in other tongues. And that's why from time to time I'll have us all pray in the Spirit. All right. And then there are some here that don't pray in the spirit. Well, I don't, that don't bother me none. It doesn't bother me. I say, let's all pray in the spirit. And if you don't pray in the spirit, just pray how you know how to pray. We're all in this thing together. Right? So I don't exclude anybody in that. I'm hoping to build a hunger for it for those who haven't experienced it yet in that moment. You know, but, uh, God, this was, so this is more than just being Pentecostal. It's more, it's more than that. It, this, is, this, is, it, this is a redemptive work of Christ in reversing a major curse on the world and bringing a new and powerful thing to us as believers to be connected to the Spirit in such a way that He would give you the words to say if you would just give Him your tongue. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.